Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post Tony Podcast. You're now listening to episode 127 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on with you this week? Well, right after the show, we were talking about World Cup stuff and that, and we had the draw on Friday, so uh, we finally got revealed our fate, and to be honest, I'm pretty happy with it. Um, you're obviously, We were obviously going to pull one of the big, big dogs. It was very unlikely we were going to um, get in Qatar's group, but England, Iran, and then I guess the winner of Wales, Scotland, Ukraine, so I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, I mean... You know, it, it it really just depends on if the U.S. show up to play or not. Obviously, we saw how they performed against Costa Rica um, last week. Not their not their best showing, but I think this gives us a decent enough chance getting out of the group. I would assume in you know second position behind England. Um, but yeah, I think that the draw could have been worse. You know, I, I think it's it's favorable. Um, I guess that's the term that I would use. So I was happy, you know, after uh, after seeing the results. Yeah, and um, if we manage to get out of the group second, we're probably going to play the Netherlands. So that'll be a tough matchup. But compared to any other group, that's pretty decent. I mean, um, Mexico are in, I would say, maybe a more difficult group. And mm-hmm. obviously Canada and Costa Rica also got pretty shafted due to their seeding in that. Yeah, um, tough to see coast or it's tough to see Canada in that group. You know, I I thought maybe they could be a dark horse, but they're they're certainly going to have a a tough road, and that that group stage is it's going to be a challenge for them. Absolutely. Um, I did want to say or not say, but maybe ask you um, if you had had seen the news about uh, Louis Van Hall. Yeah, he was uh, diagnosed with cancer, right? Yes, an aggressive form of prostate cancer, I believe. And he is the uh, manager of the Netherlands, of of Holland. So I am curious. Obviously, terrible news. You don't want to hear that about anybody. Um, But it's, it's interesting. I'm wondering how that will, you know, affect the, the Netherlands team. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I'm sure since the World Cup's in the winter now, it's going to be more unlikely maybe that he's going to be able to be yeah. on the staff and manage. So um, that's really sad to see. But um, I, you always think back to 2014 with Van Persie's um, diving header and his celebration run over to Van Hall. And um, Van Hall's very memeable. He's had many times on <laughs> social media where he was a star. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's really sad to see, and um, hopefully he can recover. Um, yeah. In general, but also maybe even before this World Cup, so we'll see what happens. Yes, I'm sure he's he's getting you know the best care possible. Of course, you know these these teams um, they don't they don't want to have to change their manager right before a World Cup, and he's been the manager there for for quite some time. So I'm sure they're they're doing their best to get everything sorted out and. Uh, we here at the Post 20 Podcast are hoping to see Louis Van Hall on the sideline uh, come November. I think that's when the World Cup starts. So we'll go ahead and get into these games. It was an interesting week, we'll say. Um, a lot of matches kind of just, I, I don't know. Um, I feel like I got a bad read on some of them. But we had uh, Liverpool taking on Watford. This was one of the games that Matt and I pretty much 
uh, nailed dead on. A Diego Jota goal in the 22nd, a fantastic goal, we should say. And a Fabinho penalty in the 89th. In short, Liverpool took all three in a rather dismal uh, affair at Anfield. Liverpool now in second place. They have five wins in their last five. They sit on 72 points, just one point behind league leaders, Manchester City. And this was a fantastic showing for Liverpool. Like I said, dismal, kind of a boring game. Um, a really nice goal from Jota. But other than, the, other than that, I thought Liverpool uh, maybe left some chances out there. Three shots on target, 74% possession, certainly controlled the game, and 20 shots total. Whereas Watford only managed five shots and two on target. I thought that Liverpool kind of lined up, um, you know, with, with their best. I know that Mane was on the bench in this one. But Thiago obviously getting the start alongside uh, Henderson and Jones. And then no TAA because of an injury. But Joe Gomez slotted in and actually played extremely well in Trent's position uh, going forward, he was fantastic. Two great crosses. I believe he got the assist for Jota's goal. Um, so good to see. Obviously, we know Liverpool have insane depth. Um, but what do you think about this one? Yeah, I thought the lineup changes were interesting. And obviously, rotation after international break with Trent picking up that injury. And then um, Mane coming back from um, the playoff with the Egypt. So... Um, they managed to get the job done. Now that's 10 straight wins in the league. Um, they're on 11 game unbeaten streak right now, which is the best currently in the league. The closest is Crystal Palace on a five game unbeaten streak. So um, quite a margin there. And it's really showing them rallying up the table there. Um, but yeah, I mean, dominated game. Credit to Watford for staying in it for a little while and limiting Liverpool to great chances. Um, 89th minute when Kuka rugby tackled Jota down. Um, very, very shocking defending. I don't understand how these players, these players, I don't think have caught on to where they're not going to be able to get away with anything anymore with all the cameras. And now there's VAR and everything is reviewed. So, um, I don't know. That's just a different thing you need to put in your mind as a player to realize, I guess, when you're doing something or you're thinking about it. Um, you're just, you're just not going to get away with anything as much anymore. But yeah, credit to Liverpool. Got a nice win um, with the rotated team in there. Joe Gomez um, not able to. He's taken a big backseat this year compared to how he was the previous couple years. Yeah. Um, with Matt, with Matip, I think for the first time uh, that he's been there since uh, he joined. This is probably the longest stretch he's been playing constantly without being injured. Um, and then when he does get rested. They have Konate in there, who has done a great job rotating in there. Yep. So Joe, Joe Gomez is getting limited minutes, and it's kind of tough for him, especially in a World Cup year. So it'll be interesting to see if he prefers to play more as a fullback role like this, or maybe he decides he wants to move on or something just because he wants to make that England squad. So um, who knows? That's just one thing. But yeah, um, quality win for Liverpool, and it just puts Watford in a... And a peculiar, a peculiar situation there in the table with Everton continually dropping points. But um, I think these two teams do play each other soon. So yep. um, they're putting themselves in a, a deep hole where they have to win these games even more now. Absolutely. So we'll move on to Brighton, Norwich City, both of these teams uh, down in the lower half of the table. Norwich, obviously, all the way down in 20th position on 18 points still. 
Brighton in 13th on 34 points. Uh, both teams earned themselves a point in this one. Uh, a little bit of a FIFA stat line, if we're being honest. Brighton had a lot of shots. They worked the ball really well. Um, I thought that, you know, like I said last week, that they play a more organized style of football. I'd say that was um, pretty much the reason that they dominated the game. They did only have 63% of the possession, but when they did have the ball, um, they certainly looked toothy. Norwich, on the other hand, toothless. Uh, pretty much what, we, what we've come to expect from them. Just six shots versus Brighton's 31. None of those fell on target. Um, yeah, I mean, I just thought that that Brighton were a better team going into this game to not get three points versus Norwich, who hadn't gotten a win in their last, like, you know, seven, eight games, uh, I think is really disappointing for a team in 13th who need the points to, to jump clubs like Aston Villa and Southampton, who I believe both dropped points this week. Yes, they did. Um, so an unlucky result for Brighton. I'm sure that they, you know, left uh, Farmer Stadium wanting more. But I suppose a draw isn't all that bad. I mean, when I look at the stats and I see the highlights, and I don't know how often this has happened this year from any team, but they had 31 credited shots, um, yep. and only four, four were on target. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's just there's just nothing else, nothing else that needs to be said there. If I'm looking here from the season, their first five games this year, they had four wins and one loss. Their last 25 games, they've only earned three wins. Yeah. And, and it just comes down to the, the front line. Um, they're, third, they're the third worst when it comes to goals four behind Norwich and Watford, um, as well as Burnley. Sorry, I'm looking at the wrong stat there. Um, but like, there's the sixth best defensive team there behind most of the top six clubs. So um, kind of on that Wolves, Wolves um, standard there, but Wolves have just been able to clean things up more consistently putting one nils one nil games past them so um it's just going to be like this until the end of the year they just don't have the players to nope. get over the hurdle and i don't think they have the ambition to try to earn these points as much because uh you mentioned last week that gap between eighth and ninth is is massive now especially since uh villa lost to wolves and um lester dropped points so Crystal Palace jumps into that ninth position now, but it's still 12 points. So um, Brighton's safe from the drop. 99.9% sure about that. Yeah. But there's no chance they... The only thing they can play for is a top 10 finish. So um, it'll be interesting to see what Graham Potter does to motivate these players and such. Um, But yeah, it's tough there. And Norwich, on the other hand, I mean... uh, Picking up... Yeah, I mean, if you want, it's their first. It's their first point in seven weeks. They were on a six-game losing streak. Um, you can give somewhat of a morale booster here if you want, but still, they took a pummeling in this game when it came to the the momentum and the possession and just the style of play. So, um, yeah, really a shame there for for both sides. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to Burnley nil, Manchester City two. Kevin De Bruyne opened the scoring early with a goal in the fifth minute. Ilkay Gundogan, who's been quieter than last season, he had a sensational second half last season, um, scored in the 25th to make it 2-0, and that was all. It was a quiet game from there on out. City obviously had their chances, as they do against pretty much every side in the league. Um, 18 shots, 6 on target, with 77% of the possession, so they controlled everything. 
Um, Gundogan and, and Rodri do a sensational job of keeping the ball held up in the midfield and distributing it out to the wings with Grealish, Sterling, and Foden playing um, a sort of false nine um, position this week. But I thought City looked great. Uh, Burnley just not getting the chances that they need to get. Only three shots and one on target. And of course, they didn't hold the ball all that much. Just 23% possession. Playing on the back foot, not being able to get the ball forward. Um, and, you know, kind of distribute it to Weghorst, who's, I, who I would say has been their best player this season. Uh, we haven't seen uh, Cornet really all that much. You know, he was great in the, the beginning to middle of the season, but he sort of cooled off. He was injured and then hasn't really slotted back in. It's been, uh, it's been the Vout Veghorst show. So uh, not a great result for Burnley. Not a good showing either. City back on the top of the table, one point clear of Liverpool. Burnley in 19th on 21, taking four losses in their last five, the other one being a draw. Yeah, and, and on the other end, Burnley, they're on five ga- five streak of uh, draws and losses. And yep. the worst thing is that the la- their last four games, they haven't scored a goal. So yes, that's abysmal. They, they have a major problem, but I got a couple stats here too. It's... Um, uh, that's Burnley have lost four consecutive Premier League games without scoring for the first time since May of 2015. Uh, in this matchup in particular, when Man City plays Burnley, Man City's won 14 of their last 15 games against Burnley, um, winning each of their last 10 against the Clarets by an aggregate of 34 to 1. So, I mean... <laughs> uh. that's, that's crazy. And then also, uh, Man City are on track. Um, to be the only side to, to yet drop a point from a winning position this year. So they've won every single game when they've led this year in the league. Um, so it's just it's just a lock when Man City go up. And that's what happened here. The first five minutes, De Bruyne scores. Burnley's game plan went out the window. They can't sit back and, and just pack it in. They have to push out. So um, that's, that's just what Man City is. They get the lead, and it's just over. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, okay, let's move on. That one, you know, not too hard to break down. Sort of went how we would have expected. <laughs> the next one, however, yeah, not going how we would have expected. Chelsea playing. I don't know. I mean, I would say this is this is close to full strength with what they have. Uh, obviously, no Reese James, Alonso, and Cesar Azpilicueta uh, out on out on the flanks. I think the minute I saw that Aspi was playing right back. I had some questions, uh, and those questions, you know, proved to to have some unfortunate answers. Chelsea, like I said, one, Brentford four. Rudiger opened the scoring in the 48th minute, and then Brentford replied with an absolute barrage of goals. One in the 50th from Vitaly Janel, one in the 54th from Christian Eriksen, who has literally risen from the dead. Uh, Vitaly Janelle again in the 60th and then Johan Wissa uh, with one in the 87th. Brentford really responded in this one. Chelsea didn't have a shortage of opportunities. 21 shots, eight of those on target. And we should say that Rudiger goal was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it was an absolute rocket. Yeah. Such a good goal. I thought that Brentford would wilt uh, when that one went in because it was... I mean, it was like a, a 25, 30 yard, just screamer. It was unbelievable, but Brentford came back. Uh, they knocked the ball around well when they had it. They didn't have the ball all that much. And Chelsea just defended poorly, I think. Um, 
three guys back there with not a ton of pace. Alonzo Silva, who's old but defends well. And then Cesar Azpilicueta, who we know is, is up there as well. Um, not getting a ton of help from the defense or from the, the midfield. Conte tracking back when he could. But ultimately, they just couldn't. They couldn't, I guess, outpower Brentford. Uh, they defended really poorly, I thought. And this is a great three points for Brentford, but uh, unfortunate for Chelsea. Luckily for them, uh, some of the other teams around them also dropped points. Yeah, I would say the number one thing, or not the number one thing, but a big reason why is because um, we can't play a four-back situation here. Yeah. With Aspi and Alonso, they're just not meant to play in, in a flat four. Yep. Um, and I think it was just a formation problem going up against Brentford, who played five in the back. Maybe not a, uh, a what's the word I'm looking for? A what? What? Like a I don't know what I'm trying to say here. My mind. Just I don't. Like I, I don't. I, I don't either. I'm trying to think about it, but I don't know what you're trying to say. I'll just keep going. And a mismatch. Uh, what? No, like a like an original, like a. Oh, I'm just gonna move on. Just <laughs> okay. the, the wingbacks, just the wingbacks stretched us out. Yeah. Um, and it was just we got stretched out too far, and when when as P and Alonso pushed up too far, we just didn't have the the speed to catch back to come back. Yeah. Um, I'm still trying to remember as I'm talking. Um, but yeah, Lukaku just it seems like he's gone. Yeah, he is. Uh, Tuco doesn't give a shit about him anymore. Mendy's been kind of getting exposed a little bit. And goal, I think Ziyech has been doing okay recently. He's trying to do his best. Timo's yep. just Timo's just dead. Um, <laughs> he's been dead for his, He was dead on arrival. He's just a corpse. He just yeah. goes out there and does <laughs> what he wants. Um, uh, he really does. I mean, the Rudiger goal, like you said, that thing was crazy, like 35 out. Absolutely screamer. Um Oh, typical. Not a typical back five. Okay. That's what I was trying to look for. The, Conventional, with the wing backs. typical. Yes, 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 yes. That, <laughs> okay. We got there after two minutes, probably. That was an um, easy one. I just, you know, <laughs> you start talking sometimes, and when you're talking, I try to get my thoughts together. Yeah. Like I make like two or three points I want to do. Yep. And then I start going, and it's just, I'm out. And plus, we're recording this in the morning. We yeah. usually record this at night. Um, I was fucking dead yesterday, so that's why we didn't record it yesterday on Tuesday. But, yep. um, but yeah, a typical or conventional back five is what I was looking for. So thank you there. Yeah. Um, Loftus Sheik getting a rare start. I think that's nice. I think he does well for Chelsea. He loves the club, and yep. um, he grew up through it. He went through like all the typical multiple loans going out to the Championship and the Premier League clubs like Palace. He was there, like Gallagher is now. Yep. As well as Fulham for a little bit. So yeah, I, I like seeing those guys play, but just the back line just didn't work and. It just, it just, it, like you mentioned, it just one after the other, and Erickson just ripped us apart. It was like him and Tottenham again. It was just really upsetting after yeah. an international break to lose like that. And now uh, we're not even safe. We're getting to the point in the year where we might not be guaranteed top four. I'm yeah. going to say that now with this loss. If we would have won this game, I would still be okay. But um, our schedule is not the easiest to end the year i'd say it's middle of the park um we still have big games like united arsenal um as well as leicester if you want to throw them in there wolves um yeah. west ham's on there so like we don't have the easy schedule um but yeah i mean 
just another drop result here and there, and we could potentially not even make Champions League because the everybody below is 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 picking up form. Tottenham's doing well right now. Um, Arsenal are starting to hit a bump after a long stretch of good form. Yep. Um, they're really going to have to dog it out, but um, you can never count out United. United might pull some bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel confident in saying West Ham's not going to get top four, um, but that's probably the least credible. I'm the least credible person to say anything about West Ham because I got <laughs> them wrong again. So my, I am six and twenty five with West Ham games. Jesus, I saw the updates on that game. I saw the one nil. I was like, okay, and then I saw Everton score, and I was like, ooh, okay. And then the nail in the coffin when they ended it. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chelsea, I'm feeling a little uneasy right now. Maybe after international break was tough for all these players. I know Tiago Silva's wife came out on social media um, coming at people in the comments and commentators about ripping on Tiago because um, he just came from playing from Brazil like two days before. So, and he's 37 and she was just trying to make it so like validating, like why he was feeling tired and stuff. And I'm okay with that, but you're a professional. And if your number gets called, you have to go out there and give everything. Um, but I still respect the fuck out of him and they did the best they could. Yeah. And I, I think we should say like, I know Matt and I sort of had a conversation about Erickson when he came into Brentford, uh, you know, seemed like a little bit of like a a dead deal, you know, just trying to give him some sort of uh, spark to, to get himself back, to see if he could get himself back. And I thought maybe that, you know, he could revive something here. And he's looked really good, I think. When he's gotten his chances, he's looked great. I mean, it's, since he's came back, they've won three games that's, and drawn one. That's and what I, I mean. I lost three or four, and before that, it was looking really bad. Yeah, and he looked he looks great for Norway. He had a goal and assist uh, in in one game. I think he actually had two goals and an assist over the break. Um, and then he's been he's been really good for Brentford, and he's not he's not unbelievably old. You know, he he did have a, a serious condition, a serious thing happened to him. Um, but I thought when he like when he moved to Inter that he had a lot of gas left in the tank and he didn't do much there. Um, but I, I was surprised when, when Tottenham let him walk because he was unbelievable for Tottenham. And it's it's great to, to see him sort of revive some of his form here. And thankfully, I don't have to watch him succeed for Tottenham anymore. I can watch him succeed for a team that's not not a a serious threat to, to the club not, I support. Not a direct rival. Exactly. So um, hats off to, to Christian Eriksen. It's it's great to see him back. Uh, it's really nice. Uh, okay, we'll move on to Leeds United 1, Southampton 1. This one, another strange one. I don't remember if I took a draw or not. I think maybe I did. Um, yeah, I was I, I was going to say, you went 5-5 five and five this week, right. and I went 4-6. and six. In this game, you picked Leeds to win, and I, I picked the draw here. I didn't think okay. Southampton would, because Southampton were on a three-game losing streak, and I thought there's no way they no way they drop more points here. Yeah, so Leeds with two losses, two wins, and a draw in their last five. Southampton with a win, three losses, and then a draw in their last five. Southampton currently sit on 36 points. In 12th position, Leeds obviously just two spots up from the drop in 16th with 30. Now, this was an interesting game. I thought it was, you know, the two teams matched up pretty well. I think Leeds are obviously playing much better than they were. 
Southampton, like you mentioned briefly, uh, are in not great form, but Jack Harrison opened the scoring here in the 29th minute. He has been known to steal many of my coins. When I bet against uh, Leeds, he will always go ballistic. A solid goal here. Um, But the real story was that James Ward-Prowse free kick in the 49th. I mean, this guy is absolutely demonic at set pieces. He's unfucking real He's so good. Uh, this was a screamer, top left, just so, so, I think it was top left. It was from the right yeah. side of the pitch, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's just, he's unreal. I mean, he's going to break into that England side, I think. Uh, it's up to Southgate, really, but he's just, I don't know, he he provides so much. He's a, he's a really solid player when he's not taking free kicks anyway. Uh, not really a liability in, in any sense, I don't think. But a really nice goal from him here, and he actually saved uh, Southampton. I think, um, uh, you know, the losing the all three. Uh, they did they did play well enough, but I think Leeds were were a stronger team here. They look more threatening uh, on the attack, in my opinion. And I I do like this new look Leeds. I think Marsh really has them playing as a unit, and it's just such a staunch uh, or stark rather. Um, difference between the Bielsa side from earlier on the season where they just look listless and really lost uh and this new Marsh side I I, it's great to see uh obviously an American manager I don't know if I would use succeeding yet but um he was brought in to just save him not get relegated yeah and that's fine he's succeeding sure so succeeding there and uh Southampton I don't really have any sort of um, comments on, on how I feel about them, but to take a point, uh, where they're at right now, I guess, you know, it's not all that bad. They're probably striving for top 10 and, and they may get it, but, uh, you know, like I said, they're sitting in, in 12th place right now and it's just sort of autopilot, I'd say. Yeah. I think Ward Prowse is only like four, four free kicks away from Ty and our pass and David Beckham yeah, all time for that's crazy. Premier League scoring from a set piece. So um, he'll get there. I think he's around if uh, just want to like his age. I think he's like in his late twenties. If I had to guess, top of my head. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, so. he's, I think he's like he's, twenty. He's twenty-seven. Yeah, he's born in ninety-four. So he's turned twenty-eight in the fall. So yeah, that's good for him. He saved them a point there. Um, I think. Kyle Walker-Peters, since he's made that position change from playing right back to left back, because yeah. they, they picked up Livermento from Chelsea, yep. he's done really well out there. I mean, their fullbacks are pretty underrated. Um, it's kind of like how um, before Liverpool started buying all their left backs, they had uh, Nathaniel Klein when he was up and coming, mm-hmm. um, Ryan Bertrand there for a while. Um, like They always have pretty solid fullbacks there. Um, the attack wasn't there today up front, not as much. I think Leeds, just that high tempo was a little, it, it matched them there. Um, but yeah, I think Marsh is doing his job. He's got two wins, two losses, and a draw since coming. Yeah. Um, they're eight points above the drop. Um, they played more games than people below them, but that's okay. Cause all these teams below them are more than likely going to drop more and more points. So I think another, another six points out of their last seven, and I could pretty much guarantee they're safe. And they play Watford next this weekend. So um, very manageable. That could pretty much seal them for safety this year. Yeah, certainly. Okay, let's move on. We had Wolves 2, Aston Villa 1. 
frustrating to watch as somebody that was somebody that doesn't like Wolves straight up. Uh, Wolves scored in the seventh minute. Johnny put that one in. There was an Ashley Young own goal in the 36 that obviously counted for Wolves. And then uh, Aston Villa scored in the 86th uh, on an Ollie Watkins penalty to just get one goal back. But Villa, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Villa. I, I, I just I can't get a read on them. They either win or they lose. It's not a lot of games that they're just in it for the draw. Um, three losses in their last five, three losses in their last three. So they're in terrible form right now. They are in 11th place on 36 points. Wolves in eighth still on 49. Uh, they've been up and down. And they're another team that I just don't. Earlier on in the season, I felt like sometimes they played for draw, but they have a lot of results that are low scoring, and this was one of the, the higher scoring ones in, in recent memory, but uh, Wolves with five shots on target, Villa with five shots on target, 11 shots for Wolves, 15 for Villa, and the possession was pretty much split down the middle. I just think Wolves were, were more up to it on the day. Uh, lined up similarly to how they always lined up. Castro did get a goal. Uh, that's Johnny Castro. Um, don't see him scoring all the time, but Dendonker and Moutinho in the middle of the park. Um, Trincao, Potence, and Silva up top, so no Huang Hee Chan in this one. He did come on later on, but Villa lining up, I'd say, as best as they can. Leon Bailey getting a start in this one. He played sort of like a right forward, right striker position. Uh, Coutinho back in the middle of the park, which is where I like to see him. And I think this is actually, you know, Villa didn't get the result on the day, but this is how I would like to see Villa line up moving forward. With Cash, Mings, Kansa, and Digne in the back. That's obviously their four best defenders. Um, Sanson got, got the start here too. McGinn in the middle of the park, Ramsey out on the left, and then Coutinho playing like right in the center above McGinn with Watkins I'd probably like to see Watkins out on the right and then Bailey on the left because Bailey's naturally plays uh, left mid, left wing, left forward. Um, but this is how I think they should proceed and see if they can get a result using this formation because I think it fits them much better than how they had been lining up. Yeah, I think in their last three they've lost, but they've all been contested games. It's not like they've been heavily outclassed they're, they've had their opportunities it just comes down to um taking advantage of them i thought wolves would have a harder time in this game with no ruben neves um as well they rotate a lot of players yeah. more more than um villa they're, they're wing backs um no raul jimenez he's getting rested from playing with mexico um pedro neto as well with portugal so i mean both sides rotated pretty well um, it just wasn't meant to be for Villa. Um, they have lost the, what is that, the fourth most, third, fourth most. They've lost 16 games. Um, they've only drawn three times. They don't, they don't, they've, they've drawn the least amount of games. So it's pretty, pretty, pretty much a coin flip when they play. But yeah, yep. I mean, um, Watkins in the 86 getting a penalty when they, when Villa was pushing forward, they, Tried to get back. Um, I thought the Ashley Young own goal was tough on him. He was caught in a really tough situation when the ball came in. Uh, his momentum and his body positioning, how he had to hit that ball, it was just really tough on him uh, to, to get that off the bench for Villa. So um, I think they'll manage. I think Stevie G can rotate things around. I mean, 
obviously everybody knows you lose three straight games here. Things need to start turn around because um, you keep it going. They they have plenty of teams below them that can jump them and are within range, and they they have a lot of remaining games against those teams. So um, I think they just need to find that one or one or two positions that they need to lock down and just let guys play. Maybe not Sanson and they had Louis Douglas Louise off the bench who more conventionally plays that six role and John McGinn plays more of a box to box time type of player. Mm-hmm. Um I just don't know if Leon Bailey's had a good run. He's been heavily injured this year. Um he's had a lot of problems. Um a lot of people thought he'd be a nice little bargain deal um when they got the Jack Grealish money. But um I think he's only scored twice this year in all competitions, two or three times. So Yeah. Really really tough in the front end for Villa. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Let's uh let's move along. I believe who's up next? Oh, uh City and Leicester. Manchester or United and Leicester. Manchester United drew Leicester City one one in a eventful second half. Uh, affair at Old Trafford. United showed up to play at home for once. Um, we saw a couple youngsters here in this one. Uh, Sancho and Ilanga getting the start out on the left and right flank. Fernandez actually playing striker in this one. Paul Pogba behind him. Fred and McTominay, the ultimate midfield duo <laughs> in the middle of the park um, with Shaw and Dallow out on the flanks playing right and left back with Slabhead and Varane in the middle of the park. Uh, Leicester lining up with Kelechi up top, one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, Dewsbury Hall behind him, Madison and Barnes out on the left and right, playing the attacking mid-rolls. Uh, Mendy and Tielemans in the middle of the park, and they're defensively uh, how they've been. Wesley Fofana back in the fold, obviously, as well. Um, yeah, 1-1. I mean, a really sort of um, suspect performance, I'd say, from United defensively. Uh, as always, Fred, the one to get them their goal in the 66th after after Kalechi Iannaccio struck in the 63rd. Uh, Fred has been actually okay. He has a couple goals this season that have come from positions where they really, really needed goals. I still don't think he's the answer in the middle of the park. I don't think he's very good, but... I can't take it away from him. He has a couple clutch ones this season. He hasn't looked as bad as he has in years past. Um, But I think United were lucky to get away with a point here. Leicester had one called Vard off. Um, I thought they were a better team on the day. They looked like they had more fight. Uh, And that's sort of just sort of, that's just United right now. They, They get outplayed and outfought. And at home, it happens a lot. So... I think this is a decent result for for City uh for Leicester City and I think United will will leave you know this one wanting wanting to have a win. Uh they're now in 7th place on 51 points. Leicester City many spots behind them in 10th on 37. So uh United and and West Ham are are tied on points right now with with 51, but this one kind of went sort of how I I saw it going. It exactly went that way. You went with that draw. Yep. Um, I, I'd have to say, on the Leicester end, their team's starting to fill back out. Yes. Their back line is regrouping and coming back with Fofana and Evans in the middle instead of um, Amarty and Ndidi. 
um, or Vestergaard, Suyinchu. Like I think those two are the best players they have at central at the center back. Um, no, no, Ndidi in this game. I think he was injured. He's been injured right now. Yeah. Um, Jewsbury Hall has been a breakout guy for them this year, mm-hmm. playing very well um, in that advanced 10 role. They kind of play him out wide sometimes. So he's taking great advantage of uh, his opportunities with Brendan Rodgers. Um, I thought Madison's assist was probably the best assist of the weekend from all the games, the the whipped in ball early to Nacho, just a little redirection there. Um, yeah, I think Leicester played better here uh, on the United end. I thought it was crazy. Um, De Gea was probably man of the match. He made another two or three worldy saves. Um, yeah, I think Fred comes up big for them a lot more this year than previous years. Um, Bruno Fernandez at that ten or the um, at that number nine role, no Ronaldo here or Cavani. So I think he filled in those pockets pretty well. Um, and then in the back, Varane. Um, that second goal that was disallowed for Leicester when, when Ian Acha just took his leg out. I thought he pulled a groin or something was going to be out for the rest of the year. I really did. I thought he got hurt. Um, and then Maguire picking up all that stick from international break with English fans not being a big fan of him and Southgate fully supporting him and wanting everybody else to get, everybody else to get behind him. Um, I think there's just a lot of individual problems with United. And just like you said, it's at home. I said the same thing at the at the last week's show predicting this game. I said, I literally said it at home, and I went against it. I think the they're just bad at home. They can't get the results against these teams, and that's what happened. But I still just gave them the benefit of the doubt, and uh, it's just not that time of the year for them. Nope. And um, Leicester now they they beat they beat them in the first matchup, and now they drew. So uh, they've had United's number this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and now United need to use these games in hand to make up that ground because it's not going to be easy to close this year out um, to finish top four. It's a it's a it's a dogfight up there now between five teams. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had West Ham versus Everton. Matt sort of mentioned this one earlier. Uh, West Ham took an early lead when Aaron Cresswell scored in the 32nd. Mason Holgate replied in the 53rd, but then Jared Bowen got one back. He's back from injury in the 58th minute. West Ham were missing him dearly, so it was good to see him uh, back in the team and obviously back on the score sheet as well. I foreshadowed a Mikel Antonio return to form in this game. He just, quite frankly, did not return to any sort of form. He looks very lost. Uh, Michael Keane got a red card in the 65th, and that was really the nail in the coffin. I mean, the Bowen goal didn't help, um, but once Everton went down to to 10 men, which I think it's just two red cards in two games for Everton. Yeah. Yeah, so taking a page out of Arsenal's book uh, with the red cards, egregious. Um but that was the nail on the coffin. There was no way Everton were getting back in the game, taking a point off of this one. But I thought West Ham played better, um, much better. I thought, you know, this game could be 3-4-0. But instead, it was just a 2-1 where they sort of had to scrape out all three. But a good result for, for West Ham, who are sitting in, I believe, sixth uh, on 51 points, just three points behind Arsenal. Everton still in serious trouble. Having played 28 games, they are on 25 points in 17th. Just three spots above Watford, who right now I'd say are playing more organized than Everton. So 
Really tough result for Everton. I'm not sure where they stand in general. I mean, it's it's a mess there right now. They face Manchester United next week um, and then Burnley today. So they've got two tough fixtures, and I don't know what to expect from them. What did you take from this one? Um, yeah, I think this the, the discipline is a big problem for them if they can't keep their tackles in check and just their 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 um, thought process of what they're doing, it's going to get away from them. You can't have your key players be suspended from games. Now Allen will be out the next game. Michael Keane will be out. I thought it was interesting to see Holgate play in that holding mid role like Allen, but now no Keane. So Holgate's going to have to slide back unless they play um, Mina, but I, he may be injured, I'm, I'm remembering. But... um. Yeah, I mean, it's good. they're making it tougher on Frank to pick a, a strong 11 to go out there. Um, he's trying as much as he can to figure out the to solve the puzzle here with who needs to play where. Um, but it's just not good enough. And just like Brighton, they started the year, um, their first six games with um, with four wins. And since then, their last 20 was at 22. They only earned three, three wins. Um, I think they're the worst form. They've earned the least amount of points since October. So, and they haven't won a game on the road in that run. Um, two draws and nine defeats. So they're not a road dog team. They're have they're going to have to earn their points at home. It seems like to to get to safety. But um, yeah, this just wasn't the game for them. West Ham, like you mentioned, Bowen coming back couldn't have been at a better time. Yep. Um, Cresswell is a very creative fullback in the league here. He gets a lot. He gets a lot of um, goal contributions. Uh, this was a return for Declan Rice as well. You had that dominant pairing of, of Rice and Suchek in the middle of the park for West Ham, getting them that uh, so, that solid back line. Um, and yeah, I mean, um, West Ham earn another solid win to keep them in the conversation of that top four. Um, just like the last two years, they're going to let it come down to the wire and those last three games are going to come and that's probably when, where they're going to drop it. But, um, we'll have to see David Moyes is, is probably up there for manager of the year again with, um, what he has for what he has and what he's done. Um, they're probably the least expected team in that top seven right now. They, they're, they're in there with the big boys. So, um, they're changing that stigma in um, the the top six in air quotations, if you will. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's move on. Tottenham 5, Newcastle 1. Tottenham come from behind Jesus. in a bizarre match where literally everybody but their best players score. Uh, well, actually, Sun scored, but... Uh, Fabian Schar scored in the 39th. He's had some goals from uh, that, that center-back position. I think he has like four or five goals this season. Uh, a couple weeks ago, he had a brace. So weird uh, to see him score first, but Tottenham responded with fire. Uh, ben Davies scoring in the 43rd. Matt Doherty in the 48th. Son, the best player on the score sheet by a large margin uh, in the 54th. Emerson Royale in the 63rd. And then Steven Bergwin, who only scores in the last 20 minutes of games uh, in the 83rd. I mean, I bet on Tottenham to win. I bet on the over. And I bet on Kane and Kulisevsky to get goals. And those were the 
pretty much the only guys that didn't score. I mean, I was I was so pissed watching this game. Five chances for those guys to score. Neither of them did, but Tottenham looked great in this one. I mean, they looked really, really good. I thought they would wilt after Newcastle scored that first one. Newcastle have been a tough team to play in the past 10, 15 weeks, so I was expecting a, a Tottenham you know, sell job, but they came back. They got all three points here in a really impressive performance, and uh, this game was home for them, so it was nice to have the crowd behind them, and this is a really good result for them to see them fight back. Uh, in the face of, of a one-goal deficit was good to see. Tottenham now in fourth place, lining up nicely for St. Totteringham's Day, which is coming up soon. Yeah, this is um, the first time they've been in this position of the table since uh, at this time of the year as well since Pochettino was there. So um, that's looking good for them, as well as you were mentioning. Tottenham have earned the most points from losing positions. And then on the opposite side, Newcastle have dropped the most points from winning positions. So it was uh, it was meant to be from the start. Um, and then Antonio Conte, since he's joined, has earned um, the third most points in the league behind Liverpool and Man City. So he's showing why he's one of the best managers in the world with what he has, too. He's figuring things out. Um, it's always easier when you have players like Harry Kane and Hugh Ming's son mm-hmm. to create a lot of those opportunities. And you saw here, as you mentioned, all the different scores, five different scores, even um, three of them being defenders, which is funny. But um, yeah, that's just what's going to be for Tottenham. They need to do what Arsenal have been doing, earn points against teams they should be beating and then competing in those um, top tier matchups. So um Harry Cun Harry Cun Harry Kane has been a major provider for this team. Huming son the opposite here. He's been scoring now more often than not. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it is lining up to be a, a clash between those two North London clubs. Yeah, for sure. It's it's going to be a fight for fourth uh fourth position. It's it's going to be probably down to the wire. Arsenal only have a game in hand and We'll move on to them. This was uh, a really tough game to watch. I like Palace, so you know it's it doesn't hurt as bad. Um, but it sucks to see Arsenal drop all three in the position that they're in. They really needed this one, especially after Tottenham came out and destroyed Newcastle. They knew that that had happened. I thought they would come out firing. And they didn't. They weren't able to convert on their chances at all. They held 70% of the possession, but they defended extremely poorly. Kieran Turney now going to have to get surgery. He's going to be done for the season. He wasn't in this game. Uh, We started with Nuno Tavares and Cedric. Nuno Tavares' liability is a serious liability defensively. Um, I like the way he goes forward, but he's out of position very often, and he was subbed off in this game. Lakanga came on for him. Um, and we're seriously missing Tomiyasu. I mean, we need him back. We're going to be missing uh, Tyranny now, which is so bad, but I have to give credit here to Palace. They looked great. Uh, Matata scored in the 16th, Jordan Ayew in the 24th, and then Wilf got on the score sheet in the 74th with a penalty. And Arsenal just weren't able to convert on any of their chances. You know, the striker position is a serious question for Arsenal. 
uh, Tammy Abraham coming out and saying maybe he wanted to come back to England uh, as soon as possible and play. I think that he's a player that actually could fit into this system. Uh, and having Smith Rowe, Odegaard, and Saka behind you, and maybe Martinelli uh, playing alongside you or as one of those subs could be a gr- it could be great for Tammy Abraham. Um, but we have to give uh, all the credit to Palace in this one. They came out, they played really well, lined up how they uh, pretty much always do. Uh, IU getting the start in this one, but Gallagher in the center of the park, uh, playing you know center attacking mid with Mateta up top, and then Zaha out on the left. They look really good. They are currently in, I believe, what are they in? Like ninth? Nine. They're in ninth place on 37 points. 12-point gap between them and Wolves. Not going to get that Europa League spot, uh, but they have been fantastic uh, recently. You know, they have three wins and two draws in their last five. That's great form. Arsenal dropping uh, again. They're in a tough spot with Tottenham now. Yeah, I'd say give massive credit to Patrick Vieira with yes. Palace. Um, I'll put my hands up. I said this probably after the eighth week of the year or the season. I said um, I didn't have faith in Vieira. I didn't think he had the resume, but um, he's went out to those clubs. He's learned um, how what his philosophy is and how he wants to manage teams. And now he's in a position where he has top quality players. They've done great business in getting rid of players that don't fit his system as well as bringing in players that complement his ideals and these players are fully expressing their style and i think another thing that people don't think about is um he's getting the best out of the peoples that they uh, the players that they retained um in the matetas here that jordan i use you're getting guys to put in top quality performances that um normally you wouldn't um think about even most of the time so um yeah great result here getting big points against another big club that we're seeing we're seeing this a lot from palace now getting points against city arsenal um and just competing overall well against all these top tier teams um it's nice to see from them but um yeah they're just going to keep pushing on um, Wolf Saha, it's always nice to see him play well. Um, rather than have outbursts and anger issues on the field, um, he's got 10 goals now this year, which is something that doesn't happen a lot. Zaha scores sporadically normally, but he's getting consistent goals now, putting him in a great position to do well individually. But um, it's more about the team, and I think that they have a good culture there. Um, and yeah, on Arsenal's end, I think you covered it well. Um, Nuno Tavares has kind of had sporadic time. You, you, Tyranny's been out twice now, relatively long periods where he hasn't played. And yep. Tavares has done okay at times, but um, he's still very young. And um, Arteta still needs to get him into the culture and the get him indoctrinated, if you will, with the Arsenal ideals and how they want to play. So um it wasn't arsenal's best day but you they're humans at the end of the day you can't expect them to go in there week in and week out um and winning so they, they just went on that long run and put themselves in a great position to close the year out and now it's when we get to the end of the year people are going to talk about those last couple games more than that middle period where they had a great run so um we're in the we're in the money end of the year 
Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, I believe that is everything. That was the Monday game. We have a bunch of games to preview here for you. We're already at 51 minutes, so this was uh, a longer show. Uh, Burnley versus Everton. This is going on today at 2.30, kind of coinciding with um, those Champions League matches where uh, Real Madrid are taking on Chelsea and Bayern are taking on who? It's eluding me. Who do Bayern play today? Villarreal. Villarreal. Well, that would be why it's eluding me. Um, yeah, so we have three interesting games to watch. I think Everton need this so bad, uh, but I'm actually going to take Burnley straight up to win this one. I think that right now they're a better team than Everton, which is crazy to say. Uh, both teams need this, like desperately. Burnley are in 19th. Everton in 17th. I just think Burnley need it more, and I think they win this one. I'm just going to go. It is on the road. Yeah, it is. It's and at Everton, Turf Moor. It's a tough place to play. Yeah, and Everton, like I mentioned in their recap game, it's just they're terrible on the road. But in my mind, I want to think they, they always think it's a huge game and they need to get the most, but no Allen, no Michael Keane. They're going to have some players in there that – um, won't be top tier that Frank wants probably, but they're going to have to make do. So I think I'm just going to go with a draw, like a 1-1 here. It's yeah. going to be disappointing, but I think that's what we're going to have. Yeah, I think that's that's good. Okay. Um, we have Newcastle versus Wolves on Friday, April 8th. Another tough one to pick. Um I don't want to overthink this one. I'm going to go with Newcastle, and I'm not going to give you my reasoning. Okay, I'll do the same thing. I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Wolves. Okay, awesome. Uh, we have Everton versus Manchester United up next. This is another one where I think Everton lose. I'm going to take United to win. This one's that good. A sending United play better away, so I'm going to take United versus Everton in that one. Yeah, same thing. I think United on the road is just a stronger team, and um, they they play with more freedom, it seems like. So I'm going to do the same and go with uh, United as well. Okay, Leeds taking on Watford at 10 a.m. on Saturday. I'm taking Leeds in this one. Leeds uh, poised for a win, I think. Uh, it's It's been coming. And after a 1-1 draw with Southampton, who are a much better team than Watford, I just think Leeds will capitalize and take all three. I just want to. Watford's been flying under the radar. Yeah. They haven't had massive results. They've been losing and losing. Um, but all these losses in recent times have been from upper table teams. But they are capable of pulling stuff off. And Leeds aren't the best team right now to to face with the form they're in with Marsh. But I think they're due. They're due a disappointing result at some point here. But. Um, I'm going to go against my, what my gut says there. I'm going to go I'm just going to go with Leeds as well. I think I think Jesse Marsh has them playing well. Calvin Phillips is back. Um and I think that at the end of the day that'll that'll pretty much settle them and keep them in the league. Yep. Uh Southampton taking on Chelsea. Southampton have two of uh two Chelsea products that play in their first 11. 
Uh, I'm going to take Chelsea in this one. I just think after that awful loss last week against Brentford that they'll bounce back. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to fare against Madrid today. I think that actually is a huge factor on this game as well. If they can get a win against Madrid, I think they'll come out and play really well against Southampton. Um, if it's if it's a loss, then I have more questions, but I still think Chelsea can can eke out a win here. It just depends how they line up defensively. Hopefully they, they have a plan in place because whatever they did last week is, is not going to work again. Yeah, Livermento can play, but Brogia's on loan, and yep. he won't be allowed to play against us, so he's a no-go. So they'll have to go with Che Adams and Shane Long or or um, who's the Armstrong they got. Yep, Stewart Adam, Armstrong. Adam Armstrong. Adam or Stewart. Stewart. I think that they have two guys both like that. But, um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with Chelsea as well. I definitely see Ward-Prowse getting an opportunity here to score another free kick. Um we have to go back to five in the back. Um, it's a necessity. Um, I don't know what's going on with, with um, Christensen or Chaloba, um, but we need to get back to that because the back four is just not going to work. We saw Brentford tear us apart and Southampton are a quality side in possession too. So yeah. um, it's a necessity we get back to the five in the back. So I think Chelsea can get the job done. Certainly. Arsenal versus Brighton up next, another 10 a.m. game. I think Arsenal come out here, get all three against a Brighton side who have been struggling to put all the pieces together. Uh, not sure how Arsenal are going to line up defensively. You know, sort of the same issue that we just talked about with Chelsea. Uh, we're going to play a four in the back because that's just how we've been playing all season. But I do worry. Uh, I'm hoping that offensively, um, the, the young guys can just carry us here to, to a victory against Brighton who, uh, don't defend in, in excellent manner. So I'm going to take Arsenal on this one. Uh, I think this is where I'm going to throw one up and see if it sticks. I think this is Arsenal's the team that'll that'll lose to Brighton here. I think this is just one of those weird ones that happens every week or every two weeks. It's just an odd result, like the Brentford one last week with Chelsea. Um, If this was Brighton at home, I would take Arsenal in a heartbeat, but Brighton do a little better on the road. And in the last, the last matchup, it was a, it was a nil nil draw. So I think Brighton can handle the possession game well with Arsenal. Um, And I think we could have some VAR in play here. So I'm going to go with a seagull upset. All right. Um, Aston Villa versus Tottenham up next. This is a bogey game for me. Every single time I start to trust Tottenham, they falter. Uh, so I'm going to take a draw in this one. I think that I see this being like a 1-1 or a 2-2 draw. Some bullshit's going to happen, and Tottenham aren't going to get all three points. I'm just going to keep it simple. I think Villa's structure in the back is consistent, but... There's just nothing sparking there for me. Whereas yeah. Tot- Tottenham, um, Harry Kane and Son, as well as the all the other players that are motivated and are are starting to string some results together as well and putting a good resume together for that top four. And I think this could be another another green tick um, in the win column for him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, Leicester City versus Crystal Palace. This is going to be an interesting one to watch. Both of these teams um, in the middle of the table. Crystal Palace in ninth, Leicester City in 10th. Or, yeah, uh, they're both on 37 points. So this one is a six-pointer. This is going to be really important. Um, I'm going to take 
a draw. I don't think either of these teams are going to win here. I think the stakes are too high. It is home for Leicester. Um, I like the way they're lining up right now. They're obviously filling their squad back out. I think Palace are in good form. I think Leicester got a decent result last week, and I just see another draw coming here. Yeah, I really like Leicester in this game. I think they played really well um, against United, and I think they can build off that. Um, even without Ndidi in the park, I think the, like I mentioned, Drewsbury Hall has been playing well. Madison's picking up some confidence. Um, Iheanacho has been getting some consistent starts, um, and it's benefiting him, and he's providing for the club. So I think this is a a wishy-washy game for Palace, and I think the Foxes can jump them here on the table. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Um... North oh, City wow. versus oh, wow. Burnley. This is a sh- holy fuck. Uh, the twentieth and the nineteenth place teams face off in a battle at. I think this one's actually at Carroll Road, so it's a home game for Norwich. Burnley is the slight favorite in this game. I, I don't know. I'm just going to take Burnley. This is one where I'm just kind of taking a flyer and and hoping the things pan out. I think Burnley are a much better team than Norwich. I know that the table uh, doesn't really have them as a much better team, just three points better, but I'm going to take Burnley in this one. I I think they can win 1-0. I don't know. I mean, Norwich is so bad. I'm not giving them any of my coin anymore. Yeah, I'm going to go with Burnley as well. They can't afford to lose this game, especially if they drop points today against Everton. This is a a must-win game if they want to stay in the league. Um, and I definitely think they can get the job done there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Brentford versus West Ham. Taking West Ham here. Uh, don't think Brentford are the real deal. They've been better in recent weeks, but I just see West Ham uh, being more up for it on this day. I think that they have a better side, and I can't see Brentford uh, getting their fourth win in their last five. I'm going to go with a draw here. I think it's just another tick in the West Ham's coffin for their top four dreams. Um, I think Brentford showed really how they can play and, and expose teams, and with West Ham playing that four in the back, I think if Brentford comes out just like they did against Chelsea, they can... Stretch them out really well, and I think Erickson's accuracy on these crosses are incredible. And Tooney's in good form now, scoring I think five goals in like his last four. So um, I think I think a draw here is good. Okay, cool. Um, oh, game of the week, wow, game of the game year. Of the week. I mean, this is awesome. Manchester City versus Liverpool City. win probability. The game is at the Etihad. Wow, Liverpool are serious dogs in this one. They have five wins in their last five. City with just three wins in their last five. A draw as well and a loss. So I would say Liverpool are probably the team that should be coming in as favorites. But I guess City have one... um, no, they both played yesterday, so the rest is the same as well. I don't know. This one's weird. Uh, I don't think we're going to see a draw in this one. Somebody's definitely winning the game. Um, I'm going to take City because I'd rather City win the league than Liverpool win the league. Um, 
So uh, I'm going to go with them, but uh, this is a true toss-up. Yeah, Liverpool haven't beaten City in the league since um, November 2019, so wow. it's been quite a while. And uh, the other two um, after that were draws, and then the other two other than that, Man City won 4-0 and 4-1. Um, so Liverpool's kind of been dogging it out as of lately, but I think I think with that dynamic attack, uh, with Luis Diaz probably going to get in there. Just the raw speed he has. Um, City are going to be with, without Ruben Diaz. Um, I think this will be one of the last games he misses from injury, but I think that could be a big problem for them. So I think I'm going to go with Liverpool here to spice things up at the end of the year. All righty. That concludes our preview for match day 32 of the 2021-22 Premier League season. I want to thank you guys all for listening to episode 127 of the show. I'm going to ask you follow us on social media at Post20Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Music. That is all we have for you this week. We will see you next week. And in the meantime, enjoy the Premier League, enjoy the Masters, and take care of yourselves.